Hello and welcome to just another side quest. I am Randall. Oh, and I'm I'm James. This this guy here? Who's this other guy? Oh, that's me. I'm Will. Will's back. Uh yeah, replaced Darren permanently. I, no, just kidding. <laughs> I'd be the one getting replaced. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that later. Don't worry, there's a good severance involved. Um, if you can't tell, this is a uh, podcast about video games, quite clearly. Um, it's it's good to be back. Uh, just trying to trying to keep up. Uh, what have you guys been up to uh, this week? Keeping up is a a good way of putting it. Um, work's mm-hmm. been busy. Um, that's partially why Aaron's not here tonight. Uh, trying to do some prep work for tomorrow got some stuff going on so um it's about the same over here for me yeah just keeping on i've been getting into more of the swing of teaching online so that's been the the fun thing my life's involving so teaching kids using zoom meetings and (laughs) zoom fatigue is a real thing oh yes it is really real thing it is such a real thing that's i can only do like maybe two meetings a day. So I couldn't even imagine. Mm-hmm. I mean, the meetings are like two hour meetings sometimes. Um, but so I'm coming from uh, blue collar. What's, what is, what is zoom fatigue? <laughs> so it's this new white collar thing that us people who have to work from home on computers do all day when you're stuck complaining about being on a video call instead of at work. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, isn't there, I mean, there is a very real thing where um, when talking to people, there's a huge amount of conversation that occurs subconsciously on just like your mannerisms, um, the way that you're visually talking while you mm-hmm. audibly speak. And through Zoom, a lot of that gets lost. And so I think that at least like for me, the fatigue is I have to output more energy than usual to listen to people. And mm-hmm. like with a phone call, again, a phone call could be really long. Um, but these Zoom meetings are like actually replacing 100% what were in-person meetings before and what were highly collaborative meetings in a lot of cases that had maybe more communication than like a phone call would typically want, um, especially when we're like showing stuff or doing projects where there's a lot of visuals mm-hmm. that we're trying to present as well. So uh, it's just is very tiring, maybe for introverts more so than anybody else. But for me, um, I spend a lot more energy just like in taking the information. So Do you find that it's easier to communicate because you can see facial cues or is it the, um, especially the, the millennial, I can't make eye contact with people. Um, <laughs> oh, you know, I it's like, it's that. a lot easier on the phone cause you can just stare at the ceiling tiles or whatever, but you have to try and engage, you know, with a person like you're there, but you've got all your things around you that you'd rather be playing with. <laughs> and uh, that's that's how it would be for me. That's what I'm doing now, you know. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like for me, it's the kind of having to be the person responsible for it. So I feel like hosting the meetings for me is the taxing part. Mm-hmm. As the teacher, I'm the one putting together the content and having the kids come in and do stuff. And it's it's because it's not a novelty anymore. The students are coming in with a lot of experience with Zoom, having done it every day for a couple of weeks. It's they're figuring out all the ways to work around. They have their phone hanging out right behind the camera, you know, looking at that clearly. Uh, They're not streaming, you know, the office or playing with their switch, just hovering there above the screen using the nunchucks behind their head, you know, below their waist so you can't see it. 
and I'm definitely not doing that during my meetings when I'm <laughs> just reporting in, you know? As long as everyone on the call is playing uh, uh, Animal Crossing, it's fine, right? Oh, yeah. We're just exchanging turnip prices, really. Yeah. And a little <laughs> private chats in between everybody. It's economy mm. class, right? Yeah. Every <laughs> class through Zoom. It's all econ now. Yeah. It's econ. Yep. It's cool, though. We're still getting through. Um, so it's, it keeps us all busy, those who are fortunate enough to be able to work from home. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Will. That's kids, though, <laughs> on Zoom, man. It's hard enough that's, with a like, the... <laughs> pile of adults <laughs> keeping them like engaged and moving through a two-hour meeting. But, yeah. Oof. I had some success, though. I did a like an after-class thing where we actually hung out and played board games on Zoom. Um, using Zoom, some of the functionality, you can give the person in the meeting with you control, so you can actually let them mm-hmm. engage with the, the document. So I was using a online copy of a game called pandemic um and it was really fun to be able to kind of coach the kids through how to play and then i would just transition control between the students and they would do their turn and it being digital made i didn't have to shuffle cards to them i didn't have to grab pieces and move them around they could just click 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 and their turn would happen mm-hmm. it was actually a kind of a cool way to do something fun for the students after class as a well i actually do teach a board game class so it was for class and after class fun nice. so yeah yeah, and I guess uh, especially through Zoom, like a, a cooperative game where you're all playing together against the board makes that a little easier. So you can like share, mm-hmm. like you're know, hiding some cards and say, hey, all of you, don't look. Don't look right now. Yeah, like if you happen to be running a, like a like like an on our RPG or something and you know you were trying to be the the game master behind it but you're doing a, a, a screen share and you're trying to hide <laughs> yeah like, all of what you're doing out of the corner trying to grab that parts. would that'd be pretty foolish to try and no, run things no one, that way. no one should ever know. try that bad idea yeah clearly um, a bad idea yeah we'll have to dive into uh some board games tonight um maybe deviate a little bit but I've been playing some video games too. Um, it's been Apex. Yeah. Wh- wh- why don't we? Uh, why don't we uh, kick it off with with you, James? Since you since you brought it up, what have you been? Uh, what have you been playing? Yeah. Other than Apex over the last week. <sighs> oh, did I knock the legs out from under you? Yeah. No, no. no what, what have you been playing overall? Because I know you've been playing Apex with your wife now, which is a which yeah, is a fun kind of change of pace. Yeah. Uh, discovered the sad matchmaking maybe when she's playing with me because she's not caught up to our level i mean she's been playing with uh, like will since she's on a playstation and i'm on a playstation so it's all the friends that have playstations she's now like entered the pool of us who play apex so even if i'm not on like aaron's playing i'm like who are you playing with she'd be like oh will and danny (laughs) i'm like oh great Oh, oh, you weren't <laughs> replaced on the podcast. You, you were replaced in real life. Yeah, I'm getting replaced by her. And slowly, I will be replaced by skill too, I'm sure. And then I won't be needed at all. So, um, you know, I've got the like the huge backlog. I haven't touched pretty much any of it. Um, I've actually, again, because we're trying to do some Zoom um, RPG kind of paper games i've been doing some prep this week that kept uh, me busy and doing some house shopping and we're still searching for that that also takes up some time and what time i have had besides apex is 
spent on my phone playing Knights of the Old Republic, the first one. I do nice. have a backlog. I think I mentioned that like long ago on maybe first episode um, that that's been yeah, like my phone pretty, game. Pretty early on, that's something you said you wanted to go through, and we mentioned there were uh, there were actually a couple of games. I think that same uh, developer ported um, ported something else over that was that was pretty interesting. Yeah. So but how's how's Kotor with a touchscreen? Uh, um. Uh, it works. It's actually pretty impressive at how well it works. It costs like 10 bucks, so I was a little nervous because I had to like just kind of pull the trigger. I couldn't play a demo. I'm used to all the most phone games being free, at least to a certain point, and then being $10,000 or something, you know, nickel and dime. So it was nice. 10 bucks, you get everything. Um, I have a uh, Pixel, which has it's the older one that has stereo speakers. There's one in the top and the bottom. And so if you turn the phone sideways and I like playing a game, actually I have like stereo audio, which for me is nice. Like I can hear like where stuff's coming from better and I kind of have a better sense of um, the world I'm running through. So that helps with feedback, just even though it's touch. Um, the whole screen's just a big up, down, left, right. It registers everywhere. You just slide your thumb around and... Go forward if it's up. Go backwards if you slide it down and left, right. Um, the aspect ratio is pretty garbage on my phone. Uh, there's a lot of little things you have to tap on. Uh, the menus are like shrunken. They're not even the, like the full size. There's like edges, almost like you know black bars on a square TV. So gross. it's gross that I could barely tap like some of the stuff. But you're not in the menu that much. Um, in that game, maybe you're supposed to be, and I'm just not. But I put it so on. So is easy. it like a four-three aspect ratio on your phone, um, like versus versus your phone, or is it like what? But is it is it more that you have black bars on the top and bottom, or the left and the right? Left and right, and it's only in the menus that it's kind of squares oh, okay. up, and then the rest of it's good. It it looks great when you're playing. It's just when you open up menus and you're like trying to change out gear or whatever you're shopping, you have like a little scroll bar. It's kind of hard to scroll. If you accidentally mm -hmm. tap on something, I think double tapping auto buys it and stuff. So you gotta be careful. So it's finicking menus. Have you tried using like a like a stylus for for accuracy? Man, that's, or is that that's just a lot of effort? Be... That's that's too much effort. But <laughs> I've played this like in the bathroom put your glasses and on in bed. Too, just, I, yeah. I like where am I gonna put a stylus? It's, I'm gonna lose it instantly. So it's gotta have a, a pocket shirt, and you just put the put the yeah. Well, that's where the phone goes the is in the in the pocket shirt. Uh, nope, because yeah. then it falls. Then it falls in the toilet. Oh, that's, that's true. Yeah, you the right. IT crowd taught us that. Yeah, that's true. Okay, maybe I need a <laughs> stylus for this bad boy. But then, uh, you know, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe. Yeah, e either way, I've played um, the first half of Kotor like six times. It's a wonderful <laughs> first half of the game. Um, yeah, right. So I'm on my I, second because it crashed. So, no, oh, no. Yeah, that's why yeah. I got dismayed and stopped playing it. Yeah, well, the uh, this the same uh, developer also ported Sid Meier's Civ Four oh. and Jade Empire. Mm. Oh, okay. So those are options. Uh, great. Also, but more to play. Mm -hmm. Other than that, Final Fantasy. There's a whole bunch of those you can that are ported over to phone. You yeah. know, mm. turn-based stuff might work somewhat. Yeah. But no, the, Kotor seems like a good good entry into into that. Yeah. And that's, I mean, this phone is more powerful than what was, what was uh, running these things back in the day. So it runs great, loads instantly, saves instantly. <coughs> Everything's just pretty much instant. Um, 
the only bad news was my save got corrupted a while back. Uh, and I was about <laughs> 12 hours in, 15 hours in. So I put it on easy and was like, okay, I, I want to get back through this. Just pretty much ripped the difficulty out of it and went in melee mm -hmm. and just uh, I just hit things because um, I want to get through like the story of it. No spoilers, please. I, I know mm -hmm. a couple spoilers, but I don't know the whole thing. So I'm excited. And yeah, that's my goal. I want to get through that one and then I'll start slowly. Instead of trying to tackle a little bit of all of the games in my backlog, I'm just going to tackle one at a time. And my phone's always on me, so it's a lot easier. Mm -hmm. A lot easier. Is it like easier. Skyrim, though, where you always end up wanting to be one class? Everyone's always a sneaky archer. Um, Honestly, you know, KOTOR's The second class time through, did you actually play it different? <laughs> I did. I'm now a mean person because it gives you more money. It's like quicker to get through, mm -hmm. so I'm just very much aggressive. Um. That really game does like kind of shove you into the Jedi role. Yeah. Um, yeah. My last time I played through, I made a concerted effort to be a ranged weapon uh, expert. And um, I am probably eight hours in I'm on Tatooine. And I am stuck at a point that I've tried a fight literally and this is kotor time eight or nine times mm -hmm. and you know used everything that i had and tried so many different strategies and it just won't work and it comes down to i'm just not equipped for it oh, and it's yeah. not the first time i had run into being at a major disadvantage not being melee focused yeah um because even taking you know melee fighters as my uh assistance it's it's not enough so they really do push you into that um into that storyline a little bit which is unfortunate but luckily playing it straight as a jedi is still a really fun game so yeah. it's it's a shame that it kind of railroads you in but it's still fun even even if you're you know you don't have as much freedom as you do in like a fallout uh, no or not even close or a Skyrim yeah. sort of a thing where you can, everyone is a sneaky archer in Skyrim, but you don't have to be. There are dozens of possible builds. Uh, KOTOR, I heard KOTOR 2 uh, improves that quite a bit. Yeah, I um, remember. Improves a lot of a lot of things. It's a, it's a good game, but uh, definitely, yeah, playing the, the dark, the dark side for KOTOR 1 is a way easier game. It's way faster because yeah. you don't have to monkey around. You just, kill them yeah there's there's someone that's like turning bad and i guess you can like convince them to be good and then you gotta like go do some stuff but if you kill them then it's over everyone kind of slaps your wrist they're like that's not the jedi way and then you lie that's to them and mean. go that's the only that's all i could do and they're like oh okay well, now you're a jedi i'm like this and no one could force sense that you were lying huh <laughs> yeah i i see huh. why all those young padawans died now <laughs> jedi are bad really bad at telling when one of them is evil <laughs> yep uh that's it though uh, i mean that is that is what i've been playing when i have free time i've been trying to get the uh the little session campaign set so we'll talk about that later some yeah. pen and paper rpgs over mm -hmm. zoom and how much of a joy yep. <laughs> it is to prep and set that up that's cool yeah what about you guys well yeah, well, what have you what have you been up to, bud? Uh, playing Apex. That's been a big one. Just kind of 
That's the new time sync. It's mm-hmm. fun. It's something that we have enjoyed playing. It's the one I play when I have people on, though. If I'm by myself, which I know with the schedule being kind of wonky now, I do have some weird chunks of time kind of mid-afternoon where I don't have people to play with. So playing Apex by yourself just is not the same. Not the same experience, not mm-hmm. quite as fun. You miss out on that, just the the camaraderie and the ability to actually communicate with somebody. The ping is great, but it is not as good as telling somebody, hey, there's somebody behind me or somebody near here. Or nearly as fun. But the weird game that I've actually started playing was FIFA 16. I had a copy of that still, and I just broke it out, and I was like, I want to play FIFA again. I had that game, and I remember like these old save files that I'd started up from literally from 2016, and had started making some careers with like a player character, so I made myself play for the Timbers, won the title with them that year, and then tried to get traded to a team in Germany that I love. And so I was putting on some serious attempts some grind to try to get myself traded to the right team and there's no choose which team you want to get traded to you have to go into the thing say i want to request a transfer and then your manager says no we don't want to transfer you you're too good and then you say no i want to get transferred and then they transfer you and they put you up for auction and then essentially you get offers from all the teams you don't want to play for and so (laughs) probably probably a few hours of me reloading a save file starting from the beginning of the trade window in oh FIFA, because you only get traded during certain times of the year, reloading a save file, not playing the games I'm supposed to, but just hoping to get traded. At least 30 times I've tried to get traded to the team I wanted to. Oh, man. <sighs> Wait. And I still have not gotten uh, traded. You just got to get closer. You got to get to, like, Austria. Then you're that I, much closer. <laughs> I did. So what happened was, this is the sad part. The team I want to get traded to is a team called Bayern Munich. They're my favorite German soccer club. Um, but... They have a rival team called Borussia Dortmund. And, of course, the team <laughs> I get offered <laughs> traded to is them. And here's what happens. So i like, okay, if I get traded, maybe if I get traded to Germany, I could work something out to get traded again. I say, okay, I'll take the offer. I'll, I'll, I'll play for you for 70000 or $70 million a year, whatever it is. And I go there, and the first game oh. is against Bayern Munich. Oh, no. And I'm like, oh, what do I do? It's it's score on my favorite team or look bad. So I came up with a solution. The first half, my player character, which is I'm probably playing on way too easy of a mode, I get in there and I score like seven goals in the first half. And then I make a smart. I trade, I get myself subbed out of the game. And then I play as the rest of the team. And so there proceeds mm. to be about 10 own goals made by my goalkeeper. Because <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't bear to let myself beat my favorite team. So I purposely scored 10 goals on myself so that I would lose the game, but I would be the player of the match with as many goals as possible. Wait, so. isn't your goalie the uh, player of the match? <laughs> they There's don't count goals. Got the oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually did spread it around. I got one guy to score who was not the goalkeeper. It was hard to, oh. I could not get the guy to pass to the wrong characters. <laughs> Rather difficult. I had to run the keeper out of the box and then kick it back in and then have a guy try to score on himself. But that was my funny experience playing an old school FIFA game with pretty janky controls. I mean, it's always FIFA, but mm-hmm. it was it was fun kind of going back to that. And I did actually play like a full season with another team, hoping to get traded at the end of that trade window. But yeah, that wasn't the one I had some fun with when I had free time to just nice. dink around on an old FIFA game. 
Um, other than I that, I remember we both played one of the FIFAs. I think it might have been 14. Uh, we were both following the sport at the time. Um, and it was one of the first that they had the Timbers in the FIFA mm-hmm. games. Because um, I think it was, we had the one with the Sooners and the then Sounders. Sounders. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I get my sports ball mixed up sometimes. That's all right. That's all right. Um, the Sooners are a football team, I think. Yes. yes <laughs> I was very wrong. I, as soon as I said it, I'm like, that's not it. Uh, but it was the Sounders. And then you're like, oh, you got to get the next year because it has the Timbers. And I did that. And I, you know, started a career. And uh, about three games in, I thought I was doing pretty well. And my character broke their leg. Like three what? games into the actual into the actual <laughs> season, and I'm like, I, the way I do sports games is I do realistic length uh, games oh, and races. That's how I always do things. I'm like, nope, oh. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And so I had done all the preseason, all the practices, and done like a bunch of you know, like I was in the third game, and like mm-hmm. minute like twelve or something, I had like scored one, and when we were down by one, I'm like, I can do this, and. Uh, I think I went in for a questionable slide tackle or something. And uh, sounds about right. And then it's like, oh, it looks like there's an injury. I'm like, oh, what happened? Me? How does I didn't even know that was possible. I'm like, well, and so like. And that ended that ended that game because I was doing man of the match or whatever. And then the Mm -hmm. next one is just like, well, you're going to be out basically the rest of the season with this. But you can keep playing with the other people. I'm like. Well, I don't, but I. You ended you know, that like, man's well, guess, whole career. <laughs> yeah, you ruined that man's whole career. But I mean, I, I could have gone back a save, and I ended up going back a save and, and doing it again. But for some reason, it kind of took the wind out of my sails, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. breaking my own leg. Um, mm-hmm. I think I went back to it a couple of years later. But uh, yeah, that's how sports games are for me. I usually do a season or two of it at full length and just completely burn out on it. But they're they're really fun to kind of learn you know, how the different control schemes work and going from the, the more, uh, you know, assisted play style to the more, um, you know, the less assisted, the more realistic Mm -hmm. pro game uh, play style. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of fun to to learn how to do all that sort of stuff. It was fun. I I started playing the FIFA and it's like, Hey, maybe I should check out how much, you know, 20 is. It's been a few months. It's probably gone down in price. No, it's still full price. They still want sixty plus dollars well, for what, a game what that's they, now months old. What they want is you to sign up for uh, EA Access. Right. Is what they want you to do. Yeah, or sign up for their streaming service. And they do. They do actually update the content. Like the games are actually pretty up to date. And so, like the current people who are injured or not injured, you can toggle that on and off. You can mm-hmm. have like live updates for matches that have happened. And this all I don't know what it's doing right now during coronavirus, but. <laughs> Everybody's on when the next one yeah. comes out though right and then you have to buy the new one to get the are yeah. they are they yeah. finally gonna just give up on that and just do a live service no. can we get no. that, that please? makes them the most money yeah. sure they're literally they're, doing both make them all of EA's money yeah they're doing live service and they're updating their game constantly and they're putting a ton of loot boxes in it and mm-hmm. they're releasing a new one every year that that's both. All the money. It's both. They're tri- triple dipping the chip. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about it. Tortilla chip has three sides. So you got to dip there and then you turn it and you dip it again. It's like a tricorn hat. You got to dip all the sides. But then you get your fingers sticky. 
You know, where no, do you hold the chip? EA's fingers right are in the middle. Definitely sticky. Yep. Yes. Definitely yep. sticky. Yeah, that explains it yep. then. They got sticky yep. fingers. Must be a what did you call dipping? it? The tricorn <laughs> chip. Tricorn <laughs> chip. Well, there isn't their logo kind of pyramid shaped anyway. The A in <gasps> EA. Oh, okay. I was going to say it's a circle that EA is like in, but. Yeah, it's true. It's not know. even close to triangle, but I wanted to find the Illuminati somewhere yeah. else. <laughs> close enough. And I'm, maybe the old EA ones where it was like EA Sports or EA Big. Or what is it? Challenge the, everything? The, EA. Yeah. Challenge, challenge everything. Yep. I remember that. No, no, EA Big. <laughs> yep. And uh, Street. Ooh, Street was good. NBA, NBA street. street was good stuff. It's true. Yeah. I still have save files on that PS2 from that one. Matter of fact, uh, Will and I played that two years. No, because our friend was still in their old house. That would have been two and a half, three years ago. We played that mm-hmm. on a PS2. Yep. Yep. Uh, Broke out the PS2 like. for a retro day. That was that was fun. Yeah. yeah. Never quite uh, as good as you remember, but still fun. Yeah. Yeah. Some some hold up better than others. Mm-hmm. Um, what else have you been up to, though? Oh, as far as video games go, that's kind of been it, I think. Um, we did play a little bit more of Unravel 2, my wife and I, doing some of the mm-hmm. couch co-op. Um, Was that, is that a recommend? Because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in a similar kind of boat of playing those sort of, sorts of things. We still got snipper clips and another one I'll mm-hmm. mention later to uh, go through. But would you recommend yeah, it? I would. I got it for decently cheap on the PlayStation Story. It might be a PlayStation exclusive. It has that vibe to it, but it might also not be. It might be available on Steam or Xbox. That's because it looks like think, Little Big Planet, but I, th- I think it it's does, available yeah. on Xbox. I've seen it around. Yeah, no, it's it's worth playing. It, the second one has the two-player control scheme, which is fun. It's puzzly. It's it's platformy, but not too platformy. And so we it's haven't not gotten heavily dexterity-based. Like you can still not not so much. You can you can get by, mm. and there is the mechanic that if one person can make the jump or make the move, you can just drag the person mm-hmm. using the yarn mm-hmm. connection. So. Yeah, I would say it's definitely a recommend. I haven't finished the game. I know it has a good story. I've heard that from others. That the story is actually quite good, and there's not a, any talking. Hidden in the background, yeah. there's like a story going on behind hmm. the scenes you watch as you play. So we have been recommended the story from it, but it is apparently a sad one. So, mm-hmm. there's there's a few games like that. I, I I'd mention them, but it's it's spoilers for all of them. But you know, there there are some games that I've played. Uh, with my wife that ended up um, being heartbreaking by accident. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I'm sorry about that. Right. But I think this one, the content is kind of from the beginning. You're like, okay, this is a little like what's going on back here. It seems a little dark and sinister. And you're kind of like, this doesn't look quite right. And you see, I think early on in the game, you see like some children kind of running away. And so that's kind of the plot line you're following. So, you know, it's going to be a little on the sad side. So you get a little prep it for it. But it's not inside. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. No, sad side, not inside. Yeah, inside, inside would that was creepy. Um, Okay, about you, Randy? Uh, What you been playing? I just kind of have some slight updates. I've been doing, been doing other things than games, but I do have some important uh, updates. I, uh, I shared uh, Pikuniku. Mm-hmm. last week 
which mm-hmm. I still highly recommend. And I actually spent a little bit more time trying to go through and, you know, not a hundred percent it, but uh, go through and, and get more trophies and, and find more secrets, which um, I mean, just, I played about 10 more minutes of it uh, before I got on the call and um, found like two more trophies and a whole, uh, a, a bean magic beanstalk. So, and it's something that, you know, I couldn't have gotten the first time around because of how you, you know, get equipment. So it's, you know, the new game plus is kind of a uh, Metroidvania sort of a, sort of a thing. So that's going to be a whole nother level that I didn't know about. Um, But what I neglected to mention is that there is multiplayer. Oh, there's kind of, there's kind of co-op challenge modes uh, that you can go through. Okay. Um, And those are, those are hugely fun. I, I played about three levels with my six-year-old uh, son and uh, we had a blast and it's something he can actually um, be somewhat proficient at. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I mentioned the moving out demo and I intended to play more of the demo, but we didn't really get around to it. But as of um 15 minutes before this recording, I now have the full moving out game installed on my Xbox. Ooh. So I think that's what I'm doing after the podcast is, is wrapped up. Nice. And I'm going to go sit down and I'm going to play through that. And they added something the day before release. They announced uh, a small change. So for their development team to to make the game, they had to be able to, you know, everyone had to try and get together because, you know, all, a lot of the multiplayer elements, you can't play parts of the game single player because mm-hmm. you need to have one person on each side of the couch and the fridge and such. Um, so for them to test that, they would have needed more people. So what they developed was a way to play, you know, imagine two um, uh, overcooked characters, you know, to play it on one controller. So you can control two characters on a single a single person on a single controller, controlling both avatars. So that's a setting <laughs> you can turn on um, when you start oh, the game, no. in case you are absolutely out of your mind, because um, it's chaotic enough to try and control one and you know have someone another brain trying to control the other. Um, but I just see people arguing with themselves on the couch. No, 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 no. Pick it up over there. Go over there. And someone coming in, who are you arguing with? And it's just them on with one controller, just yelling at themselves, turning their head to the left. No, I told you to go over there, turning their head to the right. No, 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 no. We need to pick up this first. And the people will be committed uh, from this game. Yeah, I want to see a uh, speed run of that with (laughs) one person with both. That's it's going to happen. Yes, that'll 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 be there. But I'm definitely going to spend spend some time uh with that yeah um i picked up uh, a couple other things that i i intend to put some time into like um uh, pen and paper rpg is a series of two games that are very 8-bit pixel art um Mm -hmm. and you know it's kind of based off of Mm -hmm. like a looks like kind of a a 3.5 or fifth edition DD sort of game and your character is literally sitting at a table with pen and paper looking up at, um, you know, it's in third person, but then you're looking at the action. 
So it's, it, you kind of got to look it up to, to understand really um, what it is, but it's, it's also very tongue in cheek, very self-aware. Um, should put that on the bingo card, but it is, it is self-aware. It knows what it is and it jokes about it. Um, just the trailer itself gives you a pretty good idea of it. Um, but I haven't played it enough to really give it a fair, fair go, but I did give Zelda a fair go. Ooh. Um, looking at the play cro- play clock, I am just under six hours now, which is where I thought I was last time. So I have now left the plateau. Uh, I made it to uh, Kakariko Village is the first mm-hmm. place to go off the yeah. uh, plateau. And then I went to, uh, you know, the house up on the hill, you know, to avoid too many spoilers. And then uh, made my way to the first of the four points uh, you're then supposed to go to. Um, Did you make it there or are you en route? I am en route. And you are uh, exactly been... where I stopped playing. Is yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to give it one more week, uh, another three or four hours. I, I'm mm-hmm. going to try and make it to 10 hours is my goal. Um, I've learned the controls a little bit better, but I still, I still uh, get the triggers and uh, bumpers yeah. mixed up yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll pull out my shield when I'm trying to pull out the bow or, uh, you know, turn on my, my magic ability when I'm trying to pull out the bow or, or whatever, but I, I did just gain access to a camera, um, mm-hmm. which is magic, I suppose. Um, doesn't feel like For too sure much magic. of a spoiler to, yeah. to share, but it's you take pictures of things and you can start filling out this codex of plants and animals and locations and all sorts of things. I'm between that and I'm learning how to do the cooking and the cooking is actually really smart and very very well thought out and very interesting and very time consuming. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And the way that you're supposed to cook things is you take, you know, individual things from your, from your sack and you, uh, you're supposed to cook them. Now the thing about cooking is I am now just, just shy of six hours in. I have no way of making a fire. So I have to find a fire. By the way, if you have a torch or anything and it rains or you put it away, the fire goes out. So hard to uh, keep a fire around. So you have to find a fire. And if you're lucky enough, next to a fire will be like a cooking bowl. And then you can, that's pretty easy. You can go to the cooking bowl and it gives you a whole mm-hmm. kind of layout. And you could just add things together up to five things and, you know, use some spices and some additives and some meats and fruits and just kind of throw them together and see what comes out um sometimes it's inedible slop i think that's what they call it or questionable stew or things like that and other things are like oh delicious um but i don't know like the game is adding up to be exactly what i thought it was going to be which is a very grand very well-designed time sink um and i'm you know if people aren't aware of this yet, I'm more of a short game <laughs> kind of a guy. Yeah. yeah. And looking at this, I'm thinking I could easily put a hundred hours into this game. You're going to put <laughs> to like many people the have. That's yeah. the there's thing, so yeah. much. To, I can understand it. Cause there's so much to the game. It's, it's, it's the best game. I don't like, I think, um, or at it. least up there. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I highly recommend people play it. And I, I recommend go for, 
as long as you can because the more i play it the more i like it but it is it's kind of doing that that scale where like it was going up at like a 45 and the curve is flattening off every hour that i play i'm enjoying it more but only a little bit more and i'm finding more frustrations with uh i don't know it just kind of feels like i'm playing jack and daxter uh the enemy ai and their designs and just the simplicity of you know enemy health bars and i I find myself dying a lot and very suddenly Hmm. um so i don't know if it's a if it's a problem with where i'm going that i'm not scaling but i'll be you know full hearts i already upgraded a heart container and i'll get one-shotted by things that i'm like that like I can take on these big things, but then I go again and this one shots me. It's like, Oh, what well, got like a spiked club. Okay. So I don't know why that it, it's equal parts fun and frustration at this point. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep on, I'm going to try and get to 10 hours uh, before I call it good. And then I've got kind of three games on my radar, but uh I'm I'm looking for kind of a palate cleanser before I because I was gonna do yeah. Super Mario Odyssey, but I feel like it's kind of same samey. I feel like that would be a big change of pace. Would that? Because I, yeah. I feel like that would kind of be the same kind of adventure collectathon Nintendo that could you know. And I don't want to color it badly because I know it's a good game, but I don't want to color it badly coming off of not liking Zelda. I would say it's it's got enough guidance. And I think for me, when I played Zelda, it, it was the kind of lack of guidance. I was also not a Zelda person growing up. Sorry if anybody's listening who was like, oh, we- what is all these people who hate Zelda talking about video games for? But it was something I never got to play. And so going into the, the new one, when I played it, I got I got farther than you guys. I got multiple multiple points throughout the story, close to the end, I think. But it was so open-ended and so, and this is, again, it's a positive for most things, but if I don't know what I'm like, supposed to do i feel like i'm lost and the the menu like the highlighting of where you could go in the mm-hmm. menu is, is fine but i feel like i need a little more guidance to know what the next step should be and i had the same thing you did where you'd run into things and you get lost i feel like odyssey has the the hand holding you need to get through the game in not 100 hours and we we kind of mentioned this a, a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the difference between Hollow Knight and Ori, the Will of the Wisps, mm-hmm. and how they're very similar games and they have, you know, one's a little bit brighter and one's a little bit darker, but it has a similar aesthetic and a similar gameplay. Um, but that I feel that Ori does a better job of holding your hand the right amount, which again could be more it holds my hand the amount that I want. Mm-hmm. It could be, you know, very mm-hmm. subjective, but that's just kind of where we landed. So I think that we may all kind of want a more middling experience. Whereas I do know that there are some, you know, some people out there that really appreciate a, a story that they don't tell you anything like, like there are movies that you come into that you're going to, you know, they throw you right into the movie. And you're like, I don't know these characters. I don't know this conflict. And but it can be a good movie, as you figure that out while you try to keep up and catch up. Um, but I don't know. It's just not seeming to, you know, kind of fall on deaf ears for me. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, to the uh, to that point too. Um, between especially a good example between Mario and the latest Zelda game. Um, when I was adventuring across the lands in Zelda, yeah, probably my biggest gripe with it is how quickly things go south and how only one or two button inputs can can really be the end of you and then you've got to reload a save um it's also not elegant in in how you like that you just got like reload your save point um if you don't enjoy the relaxed atmosphere of just like walking from point a to point unknown and enjoy the game does throw lots of stuff in your way you're always kind of having to do something but it's not at the same sort of like level of of thought and input in a lot of cases, as I'm walking across some land um, in Breath of the Wild, it's a little more open. And for me, not enjoying quite as much just in taking the landscape and um, some of the systems they offered, it was slower and my time didn't feel quite as rewarded for what I was putting in, which for some people, like that, that relaxation and the sense of adventure that you go on when it's this big open world's exactly what they want. But I think for all three of us, that's not quite what we're looking for. So it's just not the same sort of reward per minute of me walking across or trekking across a bunch of land. Um, in a Mario Odyssey, you don't do that. Like you're always being asked to perform the core game loop, which is platform. So if you are trekking, you are performing the core game loop every few moments anyway, just to trek is going to be you engaging with all the platforming systems. So I think you might like that one more. Whereas in Zelda, they have a huge array of systems. There's a lot of systems that you can dive into between cooking and it's like, oh, collect them, the the berries over Mm -hmm. there. And, oh, you can get some stuff off of this tree. And you can spend an hour foraging for for materials. And that isn't, it's like, it, it feeds into like, open world RPG loop, which is our system is you spend a lot of time collecting to then do this food system. Instead of combat as our core game loop, you're going to be engaging that loop every minute. And there won't be a minute you're not. And if you're not, you're very deliberately being taken through a other journey of some sort, some narrative. But in Zelda, it's like, here's all the systems. They're all over the place. And you go like three minutes perhaps without engaging with one. And that's... And we're going to teach you nothing about it. And that's... And they're like... And the joy is this exploration is actual, pure exploration. You've got to try it. You've got to do it. And then you'll learn what it did. And yeah, especially when it's like, I'm not really enjoying these systems. Therefore, those like those minutes that I'm getting back that did, they're not quite as fun. And all of it, I just have to learn by trial and error. I'm like, ah, it costs more time. And I'm not super yeah. happy spending the time right now. And so slowly, yeah, just like kind of burns you down into it. Even though everything's beautiful. It's all like, ooh, that's a good system. Oh, ooh, but that's a, that's 20 hours of my game that's going to have to be spent doing mm-hmm. this. Ooh, that's cool. Man, that I think so they put together a lot of good systems that I don't want to engage with. Yeah. Like, it's all good. It's just, it's like a, it's like a restaurant full of good food that you don't like is, is all it is. Like, yeah, a whole lot you of know, clams. Chang's Mongolian mm-hmm. Grill is is wonderful and it's great food and everyone loves it. It's just not my style, but I can appreciate that it's that it's good. People like it. Just, you know, I I initially wanted to say that it didn't respect my time, but I think 
it respects a lot of people's time. I think a lot of people, it's exactly what they wanted from the game. Yeah. Um, so I'll just find another game that more suits me, but I, I'm, I'm going to continue on see if, see if something catches me. Cause I'm enjoying it. I enjoy it more now than I did last time I spoke on it. So who knows? Yeah. I also yeah. intend to return. Um, another good friend of ours, Danny has played through, and he like, I mean, he's put probably 250 hours into it or something. Like, he loves Zelda games. And so for him, this was exactly what he wants out of a, mm. a game. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's good, but it's if you are a little more time-crunched and you don't enjoy it within those first 20 hours, I think the returns aren't going to be there for the the back 60. So, mm. yeah. Have you been playing anything else then? Other than uh, No, that's... Those? That's uh, that's really the long and short of it. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, now's now's a good time as any to 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 go into our topics, unless anyone had any thoughts on anything else. If it starts to have a thunderstorm in Zelda, do Put not away. have <laughs> your sword made out of metal out. And I learned that the hard way. I learned that just my last play session. Yep. I I parachuted down to a place fought a lizard picked up their their uh their cool glittering spear i'm like oh this one's cool it's like an electro spear and i blew up <laughs> yeah that <laughs> that happened to me oh that, then uh, you can but you can trick them into attacking you with their spears and kind of kite them around what i think zelda needs for the combat to work and uh please tell me if i'm missing it, it needs a dodge roll I need um, I need to be able to uh, Dark Souls this. Well, you you have the like the side to side and the back and forward hop. Yeah, but that's it's kind of like I want like a quick, you know, makes me a small target roll away. There are some targets that you can get engaged distance from, and they'll swing and miss you mm. as you're right up on engaged. Oh, so you want like a that was you want something with some like iframes, some invincibility. I hit the button, get out of jail free. I want a little Dark Souls in yeah. it, yeah. little dark Dark Souls <laughs> kiting like that because I feel like I'm not maneuverable. And Link seems like Link I, in Breath of the Wild is not as maneuverable as Link in uh, Smash. Oh, well, that's that's, that's what I want. <laughs> Give me a bubble want, shield no, for yeah, yeah. Link from Smash in Breath of the Wild. Yeah, yep. funny yeah, hat. There you have it, folks. Mm-hmm. Link <laughs> is coming to Breath of the Wild. Smash Link. <laughs> All right, board games. Um, yeah, moving away from board games. From the there's digital. a there's a there's a huge connection between board games and uh, video games. One is made into the other quite often, and if you enjoy one, you're likely to enjoy the others. And board games have had a massive resurgence. Mm-hmm. Board games are no longer Yahtzee and Monopoly. Mm-hmm. They are. Yep. Um, pandemic and photosynthesis and uh boss monster like these are all uh important and fun things mm-hmm. i would argue that the new monopoly is settlers of Catan mm-hmm. and ticket to ride there are those staples that have kind of become the game of the like the you know, modern good games they're better they're better than household. the monopolies and the things like that mm-hmm. but they are still like the household games now and it's been nice like using those as kind of my gauge for what someone's ability is to play a game. Mm-hmm. It's always, have you played Catan? 
okay, did you like it or did you hate it? Okay, we're playing something simple. <laughs> but if you liked it, would you like something a little more challenging, please? That's yeah. always what I hope for is a little more challenging than Catan. Yeah, more challenging, Twilight Imperium. Let's bring that up. Well, that's the next step, right? From from Catan to Twilight. I mean, yeah, just if your steps are colossal steps, that's that goes from like a very low maybe weight. eclipse in the middle, maybe a little uh, eclipse no, to kind of. That's still a big step. Yeah, and there's like jumping like, we're jumping like five steps out of the kitty. Yeah, pool five steps up. Deep end. Yeah, yeah, we'll pull it back. There's there's some in between, but that's mm-hmm. I mean, there's a huge scale, just like games. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're just a pile of systems and cooperation twilight and has all of them yeah yeah it, <laughs> twilight has most board game systems built into it which is good so you teach somebody like all these other games and after a while i mean that's a big thing if you do collect board games um to have like one of every game system in a simple form and so over time you've taught somebody how like card play works you teach someone how dice work in different ways slowly mm-hmm. they learn what all of these different systems are and then you give them one of the, the harder games and you're essentially like oh you remember this from from that game yeah that's this again oh you remember this yeah that's this they need gateway games Gate- yeah i mean it's gateway games exactly no yeah. yeah um but uh, so i'm i'm gonna do something that we weren't gonna do uh we're gonna do a quick list just what no. what is your favorite like unknown uh game that someone who's only played Yahtzee, Monopoly, sorry. Ah, that gateway game you bring him in with. Yeah, what's what's your favorite? Like, Uh, hey, look, games have changed. Here's a new game that is super lightweight. So if someone's here, it's like, you know, I want to get into uh board games. Uh like what where do where do you where do we start? And I'll I'll kind of set the stage by saying for me, it's uh uh quite easily um uh sushi go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sushi Go is a is a card game, and it's kind of a, a matchup game. But I think that is one of the babies. St- I mean, serious baby steps. That's I think that's easier to teach than Catan because there's so little setup. It's just pull out this deck of cards, and then there's rules that they have to learn. But after you play three rounds, everyone gets the basic idea and starts honing their skills. Mm-hmm. But that's a good way to in in thirty minutes. You can sit down for people that have never played a modern game and show them, hey, there's a lot of cool stuff out there that you can figure out easily. And then you can move them on to something like like Catan and and on up. So for me, that's somewhere if you really want to dumb it down one scale lower, you can go with uh, Monopoly. Was it Monopoly draw? Monopoly, Monopoly deal. Mm-hmm. Monopoly deal is another great just this is a, a property you already know. You already know property. Uh, IP intellectual property. Yeah, you already know. yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so this is and this is something you already know, and you just like this is a slightly different version of it, and get them to kind of break out of you know the the same five games they've been playing for thirty years. Yeah, that they remember probably bad memories of Yahtzee, complete chance essentially. Mm-hmm. Oh, gaming Risk. some probabilities. Also Risk, complete chance. The worst showing of complete chance, <laughs> and then Monopoly, which is again. The, all these games built on just like dice being thrown and, and having yeah. no agency in, in how you can command your turn. It's just all governed by these dice. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That Monopoly, literally the 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 best strategy to win Monopoly is to be the worst person possible. I have I haven't <laughs> I haven't lost a game of Monopoly in a few years because but no one will play with me. Yeah. 
because it you have to be the worst kind of person you have to try to destroy people yeah i'm never um, playing that one again Oh, no, there's, there's no need. Uh, like we have Monopoly no on the Xbox. There's, there's just no need. Yeah. So how, how would you guys get people into, into this type of stuff? Well, if you're all right going I last would... as the board game expert, because I bet you got a really good one up your sleeve. I'll give, I'll give Go one ahead. as a, as a collector of board games. I have a few. Um, the one that I've been real jazzed with recently is also something a lot of people might not be familiar with is that a board game can be cooperative. And a mm-hmm. huge thing, I typically, if someone hasn't played a game before, I want to play a cooperative game where everything they're doing is visible to everybody. They don't need to learn anything about how to fight someone or what kind of hidden cards somebody might have. They don't need to learn rules kind of isolated from me and like have to play against me. No, we're all together. Mm-hmm. Any question you have, just say it. There's no hidden information you have to try and be like, oddly trying to ask your question without giving away your strategy um yeah you got to have that one person that doesn't play because they're sitting with the person who hasn't played because they can see their cars and it doesn't matter because they're not playing against them yes Ah. and that and so that'll happen with shorter games where it's competitive it's like i I just need to sit out and let you guys play and teach you but with cooperative that's that's sushi go but but a proper board game that takes an hour to an hour and a half you can't afford to do that and cooperative games typically because they're not going to be as challenging um, their game systems very rarely there are some but typically they're not going to just require the same level of it's just not a human able to like counter everything you're doing or adjust their play so it's all about learning a system and then just beating that system and a lot of luck that's usually how they're they're built the bad guys just a lot of luck so um they're usually easier on rules and they usually rely on more theme to get their like enjoyment across so there's a lot of really good cooperative board games. I'll name drop the the big one, the Catan of the cooperative board game world, which is Pandemic. Probably heard of that one. That's in every store. I have gotten very bored of that one very quickly. So if you're the person who actually likes something with some meat, um, or even if you're like new to board games, but you might fancy yourself, again, if you're playing a lot of video games, that sort of thing, like you enjoy a little meatier systems, I got tired of that one really quickly because the theme is light. I mean, mm-hmm. it's there, but I'm like, I got very bored of of what you're doing in that game. So I would recommend what is essentially the same game, Pandemic, um, but it's called Horrified, and it is based on the Universal Monster um, IP. So instead of it, in Pandemic, it's viruses break out all over the world. You are one of the responders and you and the team, all the players, travel all over the world trying to heal the virus. But all your characters are little pawns. They don't look very cool. The virus is just cubes. And really what you're doing is you're just fighting this deck of cards that says where the virus pops up next. So after a while, the theme of that game just like disappears and all you see is like some numbers and colored cubes. And it turns into this just basic prediction and maths game. Um, so with the horrified, you're fighting not this huge pandemic going on. You are fighting like Frankenstein, but you're not fighting. You're like trying to solve the movie's problem. Like you want to turn him back and find his humanity. Uh, you're fighting the invisible man. You just need to catch him. The guy's completely invisible. Um, the wolf man, you're trying to go get a cure and figure out a cure. So you're running around one town. And you're all very specific, colorful characters. 
grabbing, you know, garlic and all these other things. Again, still a numbers game, but um, that veneer over the top, that little like extra layer of theme, um, and the way that it's the art is just, I would say, better. And the monsters are actual plastic monsters, so like a kid can kind of get behind it a little bit more mm -hmm. than like some cubes. Mm -hmm. um, I think just adds all the things to help engage some people who wouldn't want to play and also can maybe keep it a little more fresh for someone who's playing it a lot like the host of the game because there's a bunch of monsters you can kind of swap them out and there's a little more variation to it so i would recommend horrified mm -hmm. it's cheap it's not that expensive it's yeah. like 35 35 bucks a target right now yeah. it's that's and you know if it's a target that means it's it's making the mainstream yep mm -hmm. And it's one that should. It, it like James is saying, it's it's one of those that I think if people have played Pandemic could really easily pick up, and would give them just a little more story, a little more engagement, a little more to do. And it feels like in Pandemic sometimes your turn is just I'm gonna remove three cubes and then I'll be done. Thank you. It yeah. But I I am actually in the same boat with James. I think the the cooperative game is the best way to get somebody into board games that maybe says oh I don't really like board games because you can both teach them and play with them the whole first game. You don't have to do a, okay, this is a tutorial round. I'll, I'll play easy on you. Here's how you do these moves. And then we can actually play a real game and fight. Because as a person like James, who's taught a lot of board games to people, and I've probably taught them to more people who are less game players than James has. Oh, um, I mean, being teaching them in a class like i literally had to <laughs> yeah, kind of step got... students into board yeah that's games. literally your job you're gonna be doing that a bit <laughs> yeah i did do that a bit so bringing the reason i get to teach this class is because i convinced you know the administration of the school that there's so much learning you can do through games and i do that in my classes i i have them play these like year-long games that i run as a system in the class that you know gives fun rewards that don't take away from class time and don't have any real world significance like i don't have to give them any prizes but they're like i i savor these moments where i have a student come in and at the end of class their team is up at the board doing their turn and this kid's just sitting there trying to do his typing assignment looking up at the board being like are they going to take my space are they going to take my space and then it happens at the end of the thing the bell rings a kid just gets up and like slams his book down he's like nah mad and walks out of the classroom I'm like this is hilarious <laughs> then the kid comes right back in during lunch and he's like strategizing with his team figuring out how he's going to get this spot back on the board so there's a lot of strategy a lot of fun a lot of like mechanical element to game and like thought process and logic that you can learn through playing board games that if you don't have I feel you missed something. And so I think games are a great way to teach things and a great thing to teach how to teach. Mm -hmm. If a student, yeah. if a person can teach a game well, they've gained a skill, which is not an easy one, which is to communicate clearly and give someone information. So with that, leading people through games, and for me, I've taught different levels of game players. So finding a game that would be a good after after like sushi go just after that kind of thing would be if it's cooperative i one i really enjoyed was actually a story-based game based around the adventures of sherlock holmes it was mm -hmm. it was a campaign of about 10 stories mm -hmm. very choose your own adventure book but you took notes you you actually had to like listen to these little snippets of storyline that you'd like go over and read and someone would do a fun accent and read the character and very fun to kind of get into almost like a 
murder mystery party mm-hmm. meets choose your own adventure meets cooperative game. Yeah. And at the end of the game, you get posed with the same questions that Sherlock Holmes has already figured out. And your questions, have you solved them the same way? Have you gotten the same information as well as Sherlock Holmes did? And then you get graded at the end of the game based on that. But if you don't beat Sherlock Holmes, there's no, there's no loss. You've had a lot of fun reading these stories, trying to figure out how the mystery was done, who was actually the killer, what was the side plot that was going on. And those are a great way for people who like stories and, again, love the theme and welcoming them into a game world in a small group setting that's, again, very cooperative. The, the lack is the replayability. If you've played it before, you probably can't play it again. Um, but that was a great one. I, I got to say something on that one. Name of it, but that one, but yeah. The, there's some shock factor, too, to that one that people think of board games and like it needs a board and it needs some dice and it needs some like random stuff. And then that game is just like a pile of books and pamphlets and newspapers mm-hmm. that have nothing to do. Like they're just in there and you can't tell. Why do I have like all these news newspapers? So you've got the date. Yeah, a lot you, of it's chaff. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it looks like it. And so you get the first one. You open the, the first episode up essentially and start reading. And you're like, oh, okay, there's a story. And then they're like, go. And you've got this map of the city and these newspapers. You're like, okay, what date is this? I should look at that mm-hmm. date's newspaper. Okay. Right. And you just look and it's and all this directory. natural. Yep. Yeah. You just start reading the headlines. And you're like, oh, hey, this is mentioning... That's what's kind of in the story. Oh, they mentioned like a bakery where that happened at. Where's the where's the bakery? And suddenly you've got this map and then you're like, oh, mm-hmm. there's a there's two bakeries in town. Which one's closer to the, you know, where the, the dead body was found? Mm-hmm. And you, it's all this like natural, no board. I mean, there's like a bunch of paper. There's a map. Um, but for someone who doesn't realize a board game can be that, I think it's this huge um, shock when you're like, oh, that was a totally different experience and I thought you could possibly mm-hmm. have and just like who prints that who's making who thought of that mm-hmm. however my wife has a really hard time internalizing information in text form and she mm-hmm. is in the boat where it actually didn't work I thought she'd love it um, that's exactly what my strategy has been to get her into games is like play a lot of cooperative ones or she was, I mean she plays a lot of games anyway but she's very competitive it's hard to play something aggressive against each other in a competitive uh, mm-hmm. way. We tried that one after a bunch of others that she picked up on quickly, but there's nothing to really visually grasp, and it's just a lot of text. So for her, if you're it, the type of person yeah. like her, it was really, she couldn't get into it. Mm-hmm. There's what, what was the one we played, James, that you, that we had used that was the, it was like the same game, but with an app involved. I think... I think I've played it. Oh, oh um, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it, it is, is called um, Criminal. No, not Criminal. Um, crime Stories. Time Stories. I think it was crime, crime, crime Stories. It's Crime. It Chronicles time of crime. crime. There we go. Chronicles there of Crime. That one is. Figure anything out. She liked that one. That is essentially mm-hmm. a lot of the same sort of game. Um, but all visual, there's an app that runs it and it handles mm-hmm. so much of the the like mental load that you can spend most mm-hmm. of your time just theorizing and not going, okay, the bakery was on this street. This other clue was so, that there were four, you know. Is that the great ones. game that I'm thinking of that has a an augmented reality yes. uh, aspect to it? Yeah. Okay, so this, this, yeah, this game differs. I think that's something worth going into a little bit. Mm-hmm. You get to uh, a, a crime scene 
and the app on your phone uh, tells you, okay, put this up to your eyes and you literally like cover the edges of the phone. You put it up to your eyes like you would, you know, a VR headset and it says three, two, one. And then you have a certain amount of time to look at what you initially think is just an, a still image of the room but it uses the gyroscope on the phone and it does kind of a virtual reality, augmented reality. So as you swivel left and right and you look behind you and you look up, you look down, you are looking around a 3D rendering of the crime scene. Um, And there are clues and what it ends up being is all the other players sitting around looking at this person standing in the middle of the room, spinning around, yelling everything they see i see papers on the ground i see oh god there's so much blood yeah and it's (laughs) it becomes like it it draws you in so if someone starts to kind of linger on their phone a little bit by the time you get to another crime scene it will draw them in because you are listening you are watching you are entertained by your friend uh and you're trying to make sure they don't trip over the table and it it, mm-hmm. it becomes just a, a special kind of kind of fun as they uh, spin around. And that that changes the whole dynamic <laughs> of the game because I enjoyed the Sherlock Holmes game because I did play that with Will. Um, but uh, I think uh, the other game was a little more involved, and I can see how that would work better for Erin if she has a hard mm-hmm. time uh, kind of with theater of the mind. Um, That's a good way to put it. And she has it something visually that she can think back to the crime scene because she saw it, you know, and she doesn't need to to imagine it. I can see that really helping her out. And it wasn't, it's weird because it's not necessarily the imagination because like the story bit at the beginning of a Sherlock Holmes thing is great. And like she can get into that. It's It starts to give numbers it gives like street addresses it does get kind of nitty-gritty on like actual mm-hmm. numbers stuff and that's fun like it's a brain teaser almost but aaron has a hard time then taking all of that and trying like and mulling over it internally and not having something mm-hmm. to to output for the like all of that stuff Right. The the app does the heavy lifting of remembering oh you went and talked to this person so next time you go to this location it's going to have a different prompt for you. Whereas the, the board game one, which is you know much more low tech, you, you have to go to a different location essentially to get new information. You would never go back to the same location because there's no way for the board game to know that you've done something else. Yeah. So it does have that, that limitation, but that, that cooperative problem solving this is again, more than pandemic has. It's not just you're moving numbers and bits around. It's a shared effort to solve a mystery, which I think really does hook people quickly. And that 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 board game, that Chronicles of Crime game, did that very well and integrated itself really well with an easy-to-use app. Yes. Only so. downside, I do not think Chronicles of Crime is child-appropriate compared to where Sherlock Holmes oh, actually could no. be. Chronicles of Crime mm-hmm. actually gets into some really dark material. I was surprised at mm-hmm. the type of crimes and what was going on that they chose for their like kind of through thread of of overall plot as they kind of carry it, through it. I was they had some very, pretty heavy. It's stuff. some SVU stuff. Like if you're not comfortable with your kid watching Law and Order SVU, then that's not the game for them. Yeah. Whereas Sherlock Holmes is very much like. If you're okay with them watching 
you know, um, the, uh, you can censor, you know, the Sherlock Holmes movies, like, Mm -hmm. and yeah, you can, and you can kind of, you can kind of cut it down to, to a little more science, science than that. As you're Um, reading, if it gets like descriptive on in a morgue and there's a body, if you're reading it, you can kind of maybe fluff it. You can remove adjectives, but the augmented (laughs) reality too. Like, I mean, it shows crime scenes. So Blood, if your kid, so much yeah, blood. If your kid's it is, gonna it is cartoonized, it. but it is yes. still. It is still so yeah. much blood. So, you know, eight-year-old, five-year-old yeah. might not be the right audience for it. And overall but, subject but, matter, they're not going to understand why some of the crimes, they're not going to be able to piece together some of the crimes. And you're like, Yeah, but but even then, I, I think that kind of that last point is I don't think, you know, I, I love my kids and they're they're smart, but they're my six-year-old's not going to be able to play the Sherlock Holmes game either because no, he's going to go, why don't we just hop on a dirt bike and ride over there? And it just, it's, <laughs> like, this it is, is still kind of an adult, uh, mm-hmm. centric kind of like it's, it's, it's a real thinker. Yeah. Uh, I'm not smart enough for the game. I, it's I tough. try my best, but it, yeah. it is because you got to mm-hmm. hold a lot of things in your head and you always think I don't have to write everything down because I'll remember <laughs> this for sure. Uh, and then you get to the end and you go, uh, did I write it down? I don't know. Yeah. Like, or we never met them or who, like last time I played, it was one of the things was, so what did you find out about this person? And we're like, wait, who? Like we had like, <laughs> mm-hmm. we missed an entire quarter of the story and we were pretty sure we had it figured out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is but, a good one though. Yeah. That's a good, a good one way to, to kind of with. welcome people in. If you want to do more competitive, I would reach for something like Seven Wonders. Um, yep. I, I like the games that are competitive, but you can't be directly attacking anyone. There is a, there's yeah. a good subset of those games that exist that don't involve you having to be like, ha, I just killed half your village. I win now. You can outplay them. And that's that's the game kind of comp- competitive that I, I enjoy the most. Mm-hmm. Like competitive solitaire. In a lot of Ultimately, ways. Uh, Seven Wonders is Sushi Go. It's a tableau mm-hmm. building game where you pick and pass to the next group. So mm-hmm. it's a it's actually like the perfect like oh you like Sushi Go and you want something with some more meat. Mm-hmm. Here's Seven Wonders. Same thing. And that that's something my wife said actually a, a directly. So I think Will's really onto something there because she loves both of those games and she did describe Sushi Go as a simplified seven wonders because it is a pick and pass mm-hmm. sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but it's, it's very fair, but you know, it's, it's somewhat easy to pick up, but really hard to master. Uh, and you know, when you do get better, you can flip your, basically your board over and you know, what was your game board has switched to a more advanced version, which is high risk, high reward. So, if you are good and you get a little bit of luck, you can really wipe the floor and get an amazing score. But it gives, you know, people a, an opportunity to make their own game harder mm-hmm. uh, and kind of help even out, you know, um, skill disadvantages. Yeah, that one, uh, the one issue I've had teaching Seven Wonders um is there's a lot of symbology. And so up front, there's quite a bit to teach a new player. So it's a hard one to, I think, completely start a, a fresh person on. But like, as Will said, coming right off of Sushi Go, where they've already had to learn all the little sushi symbols, you're like, here's yeah. some more of those. Here's how you play. And yeah, 
the the best thing is yeah i'm trying to beat you guys but i can't really tell if i'm winning winning until the very end they yeah. obfuscate everyone just winning. does their best and, and yeah. sees if it was enough or not yeah in monopoly you're it's like, only competitive for the for the very last bit yes yeah whereas in monopoly some of the frustration is like oh i'm losing Three hours later, yeah, I've been losing. Like, I'm not going to win this now. You've got all the money over there. And all, like, I mm-hmm. can tell you're physically on the board and I'm not. And this one, you're like, well, I've halfway, got halfway through a game, you know who's going to yeah. win in Monopoly. Like, it, mm-hmm. but that's that's the whole point of the game. The game is a farce. It was designed as a farce. So, yes. um, we can't, we'll just keep beating on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was literally designed uh, as as a joke. Yeah. Like, they, they designed it to be that. Oh, way. totally. Yeah. It, to to do that uh to make a point so you know it, of course it's going to do that it was, it was designed uh to initially do that. yes yes um one game that will actually introduced me to uh kind of along the same lines uh as seven wonders but it becomes a little more um antagonistic but just a hair is photosynthesis oh, that i like photosynthesis very very cutthroat but in a fun way because you're trees <laughs> it's all about yeah, planting trees. trees so will you're you're the one who showed me uh this game so i'm kind of gonna let you describe it because i feel like you might have a better better handle on uh mm-hmm. it's it's a perfect arbor day game it is it's literally planting trees james was not wrong you start off with a couple of trees and you hope the sun hits you and it's essentially the sun rotates around the board and every turn it going to shine in a certain pathway and you try to plant your trees in a way that will gain you the most sunlight and however everyone the other ones and block (laughs) out the other trees obviously because if your tree is taller than the one behind it it doesn't get any sunlight it's too small so you you plant your trees in such a way that you gain sunlight on certain turns and other people try to plant their trees so you don't get sunlight on other turns and it's it is cutthroat, but it's it's a way you can almost be like, oh, I didn't realize that my tree was going to be taller than yours by this turn. How fortunate for me and unfortunate <laughs> for you. <That's>, so <laughs> yeah, That's as cutthroat as it gets. There's a reason to be like, it's huh, true. look at like, the chess. Yep, I'm outsmarting you. And like, oh, did I just outsmart you? <laughs> that's worse. The game's really yeah. fun because you get actual like 3D... Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're not yep. like plastic. They're like two pieces of cardboard that you kind <clears> of <throat> slide into an X pattern to make a, a standing tree models. Mm-hmm. And so you've got a bunch of actual trees that you set next to each other and you get to actually, you know, oh, the seed grew. So you take the little token out and you put your tiny, little tiny baby tree. And there's four different color trees. Like there's, mm-hmm. so, you know, one's like a fir, one's like an oak. And, you know, they're all a little bit different color and they're all different species. The art in the game is really, really clever and fun and friendly, uh, which, you know, does not betray the cutthroat nature of the game. Um, but that was something that, again, easy to play, hard to master, somewhat like mm-hmm. like Seven Wonders. Um, real easy to get into, but, um, you know, will wipe the floor with the rest of us pretty good. Um just just because he, he knew what to do. But, you know, the next round, it got a lot closer. Mm-hmm. So definitely a fun kind of group game. That's that's one of the reasons why the cutthroat games have never been my favorite to play, because it's 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 really awkward to be the guy who's like, hey, let's play this new board game. And then you win. If if you do that, you start to look like a jerk if it's consistent. So you got to pretend strategy. to lose a few times or you got to play cooperative games because then you're all winning. It's like racquetball. Hey, let's go play racquetball. 
I've never played. Oh, you'll be fine. You actually did. Boom, back of the head. Point to something. <laughs> There's an investment if you do play a lot of board games or you enjoy, even, I mean, video games with something where you're trying to get somebody else into it. You almost have to see it as an investment. You're like, okay, I might actually like try to lose this thing or at least get to the point where like I'm absolutely holding myself back. And if they can win or get really excited by a game, you can get them to play it a little bit more. And slowly, mm -hmm. over maybe two or three games, you loosen up on... Well, I, don't know, you, I mean, you put your foot down on the gas and actually get back <laughs> up to whatever like your hardest yeah. level. So, yeah. so there's this kind of... That's life with a, with a child, by the way, <laughs> teaching them to play video games instead of just absolutely running them off the road. And, and you know, I lapped you again. I lapped you again. It's, you know... You wait till they can't see that you're in at the next corner and you just stop and you wait for them to get back on the road and catch up. And then as they're cresting the corner, as you're watching their screen, then you start going against so like, oh, I'm catching you. I'm catching you. That's right. You are. And, you know, you foster <laughs> foster hope foster instead of crushing hope. it like a tiny ant under your shoe. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, Will pointed or actually, no, it was you, Randy, like the variable player boards that come with. um Seven, seven wonders. wonders, thank you. Because in that game, you're like trying to build one of the seven wonders. And then there's like an easy way to build it and then a hard way. Games that have some of that pre-choice kind of front-loaded where you can pick. And if it, especially if it has ways where you can like hinder yourself. Nerf yourself. Or yeah. it's a game with enough creative opportunities to where you can play it with some new players. But go, I'm going to try this crazy strategy I thought of. But I didn't think would work against someone who actually knew what they were doing. So you can... Sometimes Which you that. can do in video games all the time. It's like, well, I'm going to play, you know, we're going to play Halo. I'm just going to play pistols or Halo you know, 2 I'm just going to melee. Otherwise, you you are the problem. <laughs> if it's Halo <laughs> 1 and you're playing pistols, you might yeah, be you're, the you're the problem. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's exactly it. And you're like, let me get better at this other thing or let me learn this other system. Halo 3 needlers only. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Let's see if they can kill you before you're whole thing blows them up yeah mm -hmm. that is it is it's one of those things that like it's to gain you don't it doesn't you don't want to feel like you're cheating them out of an experience but you mm -hmm. want them to feel like they've enjoyed it and my wife has called me out for being kind of notorious for this kind of <coughs> games where i will save my big move for the last turn <laughs> so that it looks yep. really competitive right up until the end and then you're like oh oops i have this one you know quest that's gonna earn me a hundred points every single time <laughs> that's what you're I, I, you draw them in with this like you know hey it's a competitive game we're close it's all good and then just, it's been years that he's crushed my hope in the last round as like just it's every time i always fall for him like i got you now sucker oh look at this an extra 150 points i have seven how did you do that <laughs> probably cheating let's yeah be honest. Say, own the game own two copies have extra cards hidden in your sleeve somewhere yeah <laughs> that's definitely how you do it i gotta say where'd you get the pink 50s yeah. those don't match the monopoly yeah. money in my copy that we're playing here i gotta say yeah. there's one game that incorporates all of this do you want to be the person that saves their big move for the very end of the game. Do you want to roll some dice? Do you want there to be some chance? Do you want there to be this mm. huge overarching narrative? Do you want it to be co-op, but also because you're the owner of the game, kind of fight everybody, but also lead them, but also let all this of them... This sounds wonderful. 
I am I am on board. What is what oh, is boy, this magical game, game you speak of? It's called Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> or pen and paper role playing games to be yeah. more generic since I really haven't even played that much Dungeons and Dragons compared to some other types. Yeah, yes. there's there are so many good. I mean, from the late 80s when, you know, D20 games kind of became uh, a subgenre. Yeah. There's so many to choose from. Mm-hmm. I mean, and just looking at something D&D or, you know, D&D equivalent like Pathfinder, second edition Pathfinder just came out and it's wonderful and it's, you know, it's a crunchier version. 5e is very narrative heavy. You know, there's all these games you're like, well, aren't they all the same thing? And they're all hugely different. Uh, Star Wars has a, a bundle of different, um, you know, RPGs and there's, uh, it's, it's nearly endless. There's, you know, the Cthulhu based ones um, that are, are hugely yeah. popular. There's so many options in, in that. And it's, you know, it, it transcends board games and kind of becomes its own its own genre. There's video games, there's board games, there's card games, and there's role playing games. And paper. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I would say for someone, especially now, they've gained a lot more mainstream attention. Uh, there are some excellent places you can go on YouTube to find people playing. If you've never heard of them, I would highly recommend like Critical Role as a place to just go like mm-hmm. watch something. And it's honestly, it's a bunch of adults hanging out, having a few drinks and pretty much just imagining together in like a weird way. I mean, it sounds like the dorkiest thing. It does help that they are all uh, critically acclaimed voice actors um, from TV and video games and anime uh, all over. So they, know how to play off of each other really well. Some of them are, you know, trained uh, theatrical actors. Like it's so they're able to kind of get that, that little extra bit that makes it fun to watch and pull a little bit of the awkward out. Yes. Um, That's the only downside. I think it sets expectations too high. It's, it's excellent. It's gotten a lot of people in, but a lot of people then expect like their GM to be Matt Mercer, an actual actor, you know, someone, with a ton of game knowledge and, and all of that. And you got to go in knowing, actually, it's going to probably be a little awkward. I'm probably mm-hmm. not going to know oh, what I'm doing. Certainly. And I'm probably going to feel super uncomfortable at first trying to pretend to be somebody. Um, but once you get in there, the escapism is real. The amount of camaraderie, I mean, the biggest thing you get out of it is if you're doing it with people you know, or friends especially, uh, you're hanging out with them and you're hanging out with them more than you do in a, even in a board game especially in a video game. I mean, it is you kind of a lot of times pretending to be somebody else and interacting with them, pretending to be somebody else, or you're like mostly yourself and you're just kind of like, but it's a direct interaction with them. You know, even, even if you're both in player, you know, in, in character doing player voices, which you don't have to do. No, that that's another beautiful thing is everyone thinks, you know, Oh, it's the, it's that Tom Hanks movie, you know, um, uh, mazes and monsters, which is a, absolute crime um it, you know you can you can get into it you can have a character voice you can talk in the first person or it's as easy as my character says this my character does this if that's what you're comfortable with you know there's you know if if you read the actual the like the dmg or you know any other uh, major handbook for the for the person running the game uh it specifically says 
you know, there's no actual rules on it. It's, you know, let everyone have fun and, and do what they're comfortable with. Yeah. You know, if they want to embody the character, that's, you know, that that's great. That can be a lot of fun. But if people want to control it like a video game, if that's what they're comfortable doing, that's what they, and everyone enjoys it. There's, there's no reason, you know, rule of, rule of cool. Just follow what's fun. Its biggest strength is also its biggest weakness. The entire game is made up and everyone at the table should typically agree to go, hey, whoever's running it, the GM, game master, dungeon master, you're in charge of the rules. Like, yes, I'll try and learn a bunch of them, but you're the one making it up. You're the one that gets to call a lot of the shots. And we'll all kind of collectively maybe get through rules together and get through stuff together. Um, to the detriment, they can be really bad, but also to its benefit, they're just making everything up. So if it's some good friends and everyone knows each other well, um, GMing can be a lot of fun or it can also be fun to have somebody do that. And then they control a lot of the game. And so you're never having a bad time. It's actually, it doesn't have a lot of lows in the same way. If you have a mm-hmm. low, it's like, the GM crafted the low. The low is going to turn into this character arc later if you have some faith that he might be able to pull that through or you roll a new character, just keep going and have this epic death or something. So there's a lot of space for you to fail and still be having a lot of fun doing it. Um, but a lot mm-hmm. of it's heavily reliant on your your game master to to handle that. So that's the probably the, the linchpin of having a fun mm-hmm. time or having a very awkward rough time where they're very rules heavy and very particular and i think a, yeah. a gm can really do that well if they know their audience yeah knowing if they want to cheese strat their way through this or if they want to try you guys to, every time you know every time we're gonna <laughs> well, get andrew all yeah one of our friends is the cheese strat guy and they just follow <laughs> him in and whack everything to death bunch of murder hobos no it's, it's true but the, the reality is we 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 usually try to do the right thing. That usually fails. That nets you the, the most experience. <laughs> a little asterisk. On it's the words end. like, ah, oh, we want to do this, and that's the right option. Shoot, none of us can actually accomplish this. So we end up failing that, <laughs> then going to plan B. That fails. Then we go to plan C. Yes. Then it's plan D. Attack everything. Yes. Kill everyone. Try to get away without dying. I and then as soon as that's done, you realize what you should have done. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. plan E, that, that would have worked good. Yeah, or as the uh, if you're running the game, like how did you guys not see that thing that I put out there? Or it's like, oh yeah, okay, I did make this hinge on, or I gave them an option that was really stupid. I shouldn't have even mentioned that random like thing on the side of the room that they all gravitated towards as an idea, and then it got stuck in their heads, and then they had to try to do it, and none of them have the ability to do it. Those are the fun moments, though. If you're stumbling through it together and laughing while you're doing it, I think you have succeeded at the actual game's goal, which is just to sit around and kind of joke about how silly the game is to begin with. And as a GM, nothing goes to plan. You know, you can prep for three hours, and then you start in the game, and you're like, okay, so you guys were going to go here, and then, no, 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 we should go over and do this first. Well, I'll just throw all of this away and wing it for the next two hours the most important uh thing you have to be able to do as a gm is come up with content fast or like think quickly be decently quick-witted too if your audience is Mm -hmm. pushing you that way and like trying to break your characters or figure out where the edges of the map so to speak are i'm like yeah we're gonna go this way 
you're like, uh, yeah, okay, you, you can do that. You got to find find out how much railroading your group both wants and needs. Yeah. You know, some people require some pretty heavy bumpers or, you know, they'll spend three hours looking for the hidden switch on the wall. And you're like, there is no hidden switch on the wall. Do I need to come up with a hidden switch on the wall so they stop looking for it? And, yeah. you know, you got, like you said, you got to be quick on your feet and uh, kind of know what people are going to do and adjust on the fly. Yeah. And um, kind of to dive into what we've been playing and some direct experience with this. Right now, with everyone separated, it's kind of like this game should have probably won. Well, actually, it somehow can survive where a lot of other board games don't if they're not digitized in some way, which we will Mm -hmm. talk about board games in a digital medium here in a moment. But I did want to real quickly share the experience we had last night game night and instead of playing video games together we loaded up zoom we loaded up a game in steam called tabletop simulator where someone out there made a mod for the game um, that loads in all of these assets and all the digital like um, pictures and character sheets and everything for star wars um, force and destiny was when we were playing so it's the fantasy flight it's the name of the company produced this Star Wars line of essentially D&D Star Wars. Um, and we're playing the Jedi version of it, essentially. We started a campaign way back last summer, played a little bit in person. That was just kind of, we were going to do it in person. But with this, we're all at home. And we figured out with a kind of some testing, um, I can have a bunch of sheets in front of me. I can have actual dice in front of me. Um, I've got a voice box even set up through a separate laptop um, with a couple of effects feeding into my main computer. I've got a camera, so we're all looking at each other. We're able to do kind of the acting portion to some degree still over Zoom. And then in Tabletop Simulator, everyone logs into my online session of that game so they can actually move around still in the digital space on their computer. So we're doing the audio I'm able to do voices still. I can like do a lot of mannerisms, whatever I need to do. I have physical content, all my cheat sheets, but we're digitally hanging out. Um, last night, that was pretty fun, even though it took us a while to kind of get up and running and get back into the 45 game system. Minutes. Yeah, 45 <laughs> minutes just to like get in. That's the classic. And then it took a little while for me to also kind of get my stuff together. Um, so we barely got into the encounter. We were just kind of like a few story beats in, like maybe two story beats in. Um, but as far as like a kickoff, I I was very encouraged and it was, it was really cool to do that. I'm really excited to play again and get a little more done in a single session. Um, but it, it was doable. It's totally doable. Um, and that's something that maybe you're listening to this and you do play like I would definitely check out tabletop simulator, um, and just zoom with some people and pick a mod, find a mod for whatever game system you're wanting to play. Uh, the Star Wars one had models, little miniatures, tons of art, tons of maps. I had a lot of extra stuff to use. Um, I don't have to print anything either. That's a, a lot of resources going to printing like maps and stuff for me. Um, and in that one, I could just upload the pictures to the game and then you guys can see them. So I don't know. How did you guys on the other end? Cause as a GM, it seemed to go pretty well, but, how did it go for both of you playing it? It was good. I, I enjoyed being able to get back into it. Yeah. It I think it helps that we had played in person before. 
Yes. Even not just this yeah. session, but in the past with our previous game sessions, there was a kind of built up rapport, some silly jokes, some constant bickering mm-hmm. about who gets the most XP and who has conflict and who shouldn't have conflict because they didn't do anything in the game at all. <laughs> um, you know, things like that. You were <laughs> not in the game. Going, Danny, things like you, that. You were naming Danny silly things on Zoom. Maybe, That's, yeah, I, don't, you know, I don't remember my, that at all. I, my record but, keeping isn't so good. It, it might. Lost. I think it was Danny who did that. I think the conflict came yeah, I, from him. I don't so know. Sure I might have lost the paper go. that was recording. Who knows? I might have to just yeah. I'm pretty it sure that now. happened. Yeah. Who knows? And and so yeah, it's the it's the history we've played with before that really came back as hilarious and fun. Um, it was it was just it's some of the jokes and things like that that we bring up and uh, come about. And I, I think back to the most fun memory is the the plan D where we were trying to steal some part from a, a, a droid or from a, a shopkeeper. And we tried hiding the piece. Couldn't do that. Hide the piece in a droid. Try that. Try any shenanigan we can think of. Try to make this thing work. And James is just like, you can try it and it won't happen. And it just didn't. And so we ended up having to go to plan D, but like, yeah, last night was quick. We didn't get into as much as we usually do, Yeah, but it was, it was good to find out that it works and yet that zoom can work. We can, we can do the same things. We can have the same fun. It can be almost more streamlined in some ways, but it's kind of just, there's some of the balancing out how fast do we move in the story to how much do we banter? How much do we plan? How much do we prepare? And I think maybe with this medium, there needs to be a ticking clock somewhere that we just got to keep moving. That's on, on me. It yeah. That would help us to help us to kind of keep the pace of the storyline. And it would, I think, I mean, last night was tons of fun. I think it was just getting set up slowed us down it wasn't the gameplay we just were getting back and rolling it was kind of like getting up to speed again which we needed the time to do yeah i and that's i mean that's a failing of the gm i think uh having a clock there is one in tabletop simulator but a lot of it's and i did this a few times but not like enough of, of like keeping the pace of going okay they're bantering and i'm thinking sometimes it's buying me time to like think of something mm-hmm. but other times i'm like i'm ready to actually dive in but when i start this next thing they're not gonna be able to talk about whatever they're talking about till i'm done mm-hmm. and so if you're having fun or especially if it's character fun and you're like kind of as if you're on the ship and you're talking to each other mm-hmm. it's hard to know when to cut that um but yes that's it i think that's a lot of especially the gm knows the people um being comfortable cutting in not over cutting in because a lot of the fun is in the honestly mm-hmm. the memorable moments are a lot of times started the spark of that mo- like the memorable moment came from some banter that occurred right before. There's some ideas that some players threw back and forth and you need to let that cook a little bit simmer. And then you got to throw in like, you got to apply the heat. You're like, okay, here's the encounter that's happening. And you guys were talking. I'm going to hold you to it. Like whatever joking thing happened, you guys roll against each other. You're trying to check who's stronger, arm wrestle. Oh, one of you failed miserably. That arm wrestle like snaps his arm or not that but like hits one of the controls and now your ship's like careening down oh but the encounter started now the ties are like right on your back and you're careening into an astro field astro i think the key is just remembering (laughs) that you know sometimes uh what could be well this isn't the main story you know is not detracting from the story but is actually making the fun that you want to have Uh, and so that's the hard part, especially as a, as you know, a, a GM is knowing, okay, is this chaff or is this fun? Like, like, is this keeping us from having fun or is this the fun we want to be having? And it's amazing how 
blurred that line can be in a pen and paper. Um, because, you know, there are some people, you know, it could be that those two people are having fun bantering, but everyone else is like, let's get on with yeah. it. So you have to balance everyone's fun and it's a, it's a moving target and there's no right answer. So, you know, unless you're Matt Mercer and there is a right answer. <laughs> well, I mean, That's... you go on their message boards, there is not a right and right no. answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they're, and, uh, he, get, he catches, you know, uh, enough flack. He's a super nice guy, but even he catches flack, uh, you know, from their very fervent uh, yeah, fans, quite a few fans. Um, from from time. Like, quite a few. They did raise like a like, little bit of money couple, on Kickstarter. Yeah, just a couple just, fans. Just like $10 million. Yeah, that's one fan with a lot of money. That doesn't mean there's a lot of fans. <laughs> Even though we can see the number of backers. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and with that, too, then. Um, Tabletop simulator also, overall. Also, you 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 mentioned tabletop simulator. There is also roll twenty. Yes, uh, another... roll twenty is a a less polished, less advanced version, but it is free, and there are some free assets you can get. So, mm-hmm. for people who are like, oh, I don't know, twenty bucks for all of us, plus we got to buy assets, and you know, it's a little bit harder for a computer to run. Uh, roll twenty, I believe, is browser based. It is. Even. Yes, it is easier to so, dive in and get going but it's hard to tts is tts is more immersive yeah Uh, there's there's a lot more to it but it is a lot more prep time uh, as well so uh, that's just two uh, the two biggest options out there are are those um and so definitely check both of those out and see whatever is you know better for you and your group yeah very good point kind of as a, a wrap up towards board gaming in general Shifting back into video games, Tabletop Simulator is actually a really excellent place to go um, to play board games with people online. And you don't even, I mean, you don't need to Zoom or anything. You just need like some chat set up somewhere audibly. And then you just load everybody into your session. Call, call, do a conference call on a phone, like, and just talk over a speakerphone, you know? Yeah. And then you've got everyone virtually there virtually moving pieces rolling dice everyone can see them um and there's a ton of them i mean uh, there's a ton of games you can try out um or pay for in tabletop simulator i would recommend it's really fuzzy on like downloading a game that you don't have a physical copy of for free i don't know exactly how they follow your conscience a little bit on that you know yeah or if you try it out like a lot of i think it can be fair to like maybe try a game out and then if you like it try to pick up the physical copy if you keep putting a lot of time into the the game and the design and all of the art Mm -hmm. even though it's digital and it's free to the people who initially made it um and there's you can straight buy games on there too there's a whole library but will you had also mentioned a couple other um kind of board games in digital form Right. So what I was talking about was the idea of trying to teach a game on tabletop sim or online. I Because I teach that board game class, moving everything online includes that class. So I tried to run a couple games through that. So what I found is on Steam and on different websites, you can get digitized versions of games that are a little more polished. One of the ones that I first played was uh, Small World. Mm-hmm. A classic board game, very simple mechanic, and it's one that can be played competitively while you see the entirety of the board. Mm-hmm. And that's really makes it work well. When James was talking earlier about how a game, if I have secret cards and I have to share the same device with somebody, that doesn't work well. I have to keep my cards hidden. You can't see my pieces. That doesn't work well. So games that have a cooperative games that have a shared screen like a pandemic work better 
and games that you can everybody can see the whole board no the whole secret time like information Carcassonne. yeah mm-hmm. Carcassonne and um Catan even can work depending on how you're playing the games and um small world well, I just said small world small world yeah. it it works well because you can play all the pieces the hiccup I found is that teaching a game via Zoom to someone who's never played it before is a challenge. There's no getting away, no way to get around it. It's hard to go over rules. Communicating through Zoom is difficult as it is. So trying to teach someone a difficult concept without the pieces to show them there how a piece is supposed to move. If, if you don't know how a piece is supposed to move, you don't know what to press on. You don't know what to click to make it go where it's supposed to go. And so some of that is is missing in the digitized game, but there are some really good ones out there. I would highly recommend the Pandemic um, digital version on Steam. I think it's $6. Um, a good buy because it has that. It can be bought by one person, and then they can host through Zoom with the ability to give control of the screen using the Zoom function to let them move the pieces. So if it's a game you've played before, you can teach it. It can be done. I taught it to a series of high schoolers and junior hires, and it can be done, but it, it takes more time than it would in person. So it's it's good, and there are some good digitized games, but I would say focus on the ones that you can use a shared screen for, and you don't have to have secret components. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, that's that's board games I've been excited to talk about board games especially have will on talk about board games I need you guys have my eyes man i so many hours in front of a screen now i've been like i need to I was telling aaron my wife uh on like we need to play something physical like i need to get my eyes off of mm-hmm. the screen but i want a game like what can i do so i mean i didn't mm-hmm. ask myself what i can do i've got a board game collection out there i knew what i wanted to do you've got a whole closet just bursting at the yes. scenes the both of you so do. it's more of like aaron we're going to learn a new one, get prepped. We're going to play a competitive game. We're getting out of the co-op stuff. Um, so War of the Ring is, Go is on. Go buy the Trogdor game and play that. I've got War of the Ring. It's got essentially Trogdor in it to some degree. There's some Balrog's pretty close. Mm-hmm. Though it didn't burn, burninate the countryside. It kind of just died up on the top of a mountain, but well, that's copyright strike. It was nice, uh, yeah, so nice being here. <laughs> um, yeah, no, so like that was a that's been a big thing, just the fatigue of a video nonstop um, mm-hmm. the last couple of weeks. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad we talked about some board games. What was that, Will? Yep, I think yeah, breaking out the board games in this has been fun. Yeah, even if it is via distance, and if it is just two people playing you can do some good cooperative games with two people mm-hmm. yeah and most people think of board games as something you can't do right now like oh well that's something that's out you know because you can't have a bunch of people over and play a board yeah. game you know like and so this is a way that you can still do a different thing you know and board games and video games are super similar at, at their core you know you've got you know a, a set amount of human beings with a, a goal and a purpose and you move an avatar to reach that goal, you know, and so why not mash them together and, you know, make, make it available, uh, virtually. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, just set of rules, learning some rules board game. You're just stuck having a, 
manage all those rules under the hood where the video game kind of does the management. There's for no you. nice developers yeah. behind the scenes doing all the heavy lifting yeah. for you. There are less nope. bugs. Not none, but yeah. less bugs in board yeah. games. So got that going. Well, on. there there are bugs where you spend uh, twenty five minutes reading the rule book, going, <laughs> but that's not what it says. What well, doesn't say I can't. Nowhere does it say less. that a dog can't play basketball. Well, so less bugs. Definitely still some bugs. Yeah. 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 Yep. yep. Typed words, stuff like that. Yeah. Not free of bugs. <laughs> We're never going to be free of bugs. Never going to be free of bugs. Yeah. Excellent. Well. Uh, Thanks for joining us uh, again this week. Um, as usual, uh, you know, check out the other shows on the network if you are so interested. Uh, just look around with the, you know, the tiny dog name on your podcatcher. We got lots of stuff and more stuff on the way. Um, thanks again, Will, for joining us. Hope we get to see you around a little bit more. Yeah, uh, definitely enjoy that. Excellent. And, um, you know, maybe we'll have a little bit more time to play. Uh, video games and have a little more a little more to say on those but i uh i like talking about board games we've only scratched the surface i'm sure we could have gone for top 100 so more hours yeah yeah we'll yeah. get there we'll just go through a nice quick four-hour podcast next time on our, our favorite top 100 favorites yeah I'd say we just play a game of twilight on on zoom or something yeah. like that and stream that. the whole thing it's hey you know if if people want to see it, we can always we can always stream stuff. That is that is a real possibility. Um, but uh, aside from that, uh, do you guys have any other any other final thoughts uh, before we uh, close out? I think that's it. Okay. Uh, well, then on that, uh, we'll remind you to you know stay inside, stay safe. Um, you know, try something new. Uh, try a try a board game. Order a board game on uh, whatever delivery site you use, and um, crack it and open. Just give it a shot. Get angry yeah. at us because it's a terrible game, and you don't like it at all. And the rules are hard. Yep. Let, us sorry. <laughs> let us know. Don't let us know. Don't you're wrong. Sorry. Buy sorry. buy the uh, fifth edition D and D core rule books, or just the essential no. set from uh, Target. I would recommend that. Just run it. Find because like, uh, the essential set you can run with two people. Yeah, I would say Just, uh, whatever theme you like, go find some sort of role-playing game that matches it. Sci-fi, whatever. Like, find a theme that you can really get behind. If you like fantasy, great. Yep. Find one. There's there's a great one for kids called No Thank You Evil. Uh, it's a wonderful little RPG that is set for ages like 4 to 16, ideally. And the, the rules actually, um, they like, uh, they can get more complicated as you wish. Mm-hmm. So you can start with something super simple for a four-year-old and then gets bigger and bigger. And they have, uh, you know, a, a single rule that is if something gets too scary, uh, the kid can just say, no, thank you, evil. And then that's for the, the GM to know, okay, I got to pull back the reins on the scary a little bit. And, you know, they give you tips on how to kind of abstract numbers to something that a kid you know their age can i can understand and so that's something that uh, i plan on picking up and and trying out because i played fifth edition with my six-year-old and he he loved it to death but i I think it needs a little bit a little bit gentler but definitely pick up an rpg because you can just let your brain go wild yeah Mm -hmm. okay then with that uh i think we will tell the nice folks good night good night night night